G'day guys, Sean from Card and Cloud here and I've got Jimmy and Jamie from Collective Logistics to join for a little podcast today. How are you boys going? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having us. No yeah, worries. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Another day in paradise. Obviously, we're all based up in the Gold Coast, so we like to refer to these guys as our favourite local customer. Oh. There's not a, not a lot of competition around the, uh, the burly heads. You kind. Yeah, yeah, but you know, the 4220 represent yeah. kind, of, kind of crew down here. So we've even got a... Uh, a local beer here for our uh, afternoon catch up towards the end of the week. Um, so guys, thanks for joining us today. Um, just for those of you who maybe haven't seen the case study or don't know about your, your business, do you want to give us a little bit of background about collective logistics? Yeah, for sure. Like, um, yeah, it's something that yeah, Jimmy and I have had, had uh, in the pipeline for a little while now. We put our brains together and yeah, it's something that we're really proud of um, where we've come so far and we've... Um, yeah, like Jim. And how long have you and how long have you and Jimmy known each other? Ooh, I think it's been geez, at least ten years now. Yeah, it must be close to about ten years. I guess me and Jamie have been buds for a long time through in and out of you know, yeah. surfing, travelling, yeah. everything else, living together and yeah. we're trying to loosely discuss like when did we first meet? And I think um I've been friends with Jimmy's brother Jono for yeah. for a little bit longer, and then sort of yeah, we slowly all just became friends. Do you like Do you like Jimmy more than Johnny now? Or? <laughs> I don't know, take it. Yeah. <laughs> now we did say this. Yeah. We did say when we were talking, but we weren't going to talk about the South America bike trip. But we'll yeah. uh, we'll put that on us on our own, another podcast another time, guys. So, <laughs> um, so do you want to just maybe also give uh, give us a bit of background on how you guys ended up starting Collective Logistics? So, um, what what like what I what I've loved about working with you guys has been the story that you guys came with, and then how you sort of parlayed that into what's a really cool um, little business so maybe just in your own words you want to take us through like um, what you guys did professionally and then how collective logistics kind of um, came out of that cool yeah well pretty much Jamie and I were working for a burley based apparel company Um, they're probably a medium sized business 20-25 staff or so we're working together and kind of had a fair bit of understanding how they manage their logistics Mm -hmm. Um, Jamie stayed back working for the local company and I jumped over to a larger organisation where I kind of learned how they were managing their warehouse management systems and obviously we're still good buds yeah. hanging out daily but kind of connecting the dots as to how medium-sized apparel businesses were managing their mm-hmm. sort of daily operations on the back end and then how the larger guys were doing it mm-hmm. and kind of just saw that the larger guys obviously had a lot more time and investment in their logistics mm-hmm. and basically what we saw was just an opportunity for those medium-sized businesses that d- didn't necessarily see the value in their logistics mm-hmm. um, they were probably more so focusing on their sales and their marketing and their product yeah. It was always an afterthought for the smaller companies, and I think the big companies have made it such a priority. And I guess just having that efficiency yeah. at the larger level is like so important. But I think the smaller to medium-sized companies um, still really yeah. need that value. That value and, and, and both of the businesses were actually handling their own fulfillment, right? So exactly. they were handling their own yeah. logistics with, with third-party carriers, exactly. but it was all handled in-house. Yeah, which is kind of we learned how you know one did it so much better than the other, yeah. which is yeah. where we learned about the systems that they use and those sorts of things. Yeah, but we cool. kind of put our heads together and asked how many businesses like the yeah. medium-sized apparel businesses that we're working yeah. for are out there. And yeah. these are like still decent-sized companies. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you guys were working both on wholesale and online, right? Because you've been there for a few years so that transition yeah. to a more e-commerce or online fulfillment you saw that firsthand right yeah well jimmy was definitely um 100 focused on the online sector i was working as account manager in the wholesale business um and i could completely see the online um online sales coming i feel it really felt like i really wanted to get more into that that side of the market mm-hmm. and that's where the majority of the opportunity was we really set ourselves up to be direct to consumer dbc yeah. Yeah. And so I, I mastered it. I interrupted your story there. So yeah. from there, you were like, you were seeing that shift coming. And then I guess what happened from, from there to, to Collective? Because obviously, um, 
probably not the first people to sit there and think like e-commerce is coming, but you guys are now running a, running a pretty high volume 3PL here on the, on the Gold Coast. So uh, there's a few steps in between there. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Well, I guess there's a lot of sort of medium sized apparel businesses between, I guess, all over Australia, but yeah. particularly Gold Coast, Byron based, yeah. um, a lot, particularly that don't, I guess, necessarily want to invest in their logistics. So that's mm. kind of where we come along and that's pretty much our target just, market. Yeah, we just started planning it out, just thinking, okay, can we do this? Like, is there a way to group everyone up together? Is there a software company? Did you that, know yeah. what third-party logistics was at that stage? Like, like, or maybe I should ask a different question. How much did you know about third-party logistics at that stage? Uh, um, only commercial volumes, yeah. not really smaller scale. We understood there was at a large scale that you yeah. could do that. Like, like yeah, we more volumes of... Yeah, maybe like 5,000. 10,000 meter yeah. squared warehouses and, you yeah. know. It was almost like this distant thing that was like, I don't know, like, it wasn't possible. Like, mm. you, yeah, you'd heard of it, but you didn't, did anyone do that? Like, is that even a thing? Mm. Sort of like, The barriers to entry for a medium-sized business were just too high. Yeah. So it's pretty much where Collective kind of came from. If we were those medium-sized apparel businesses yeah. that don't want to invest, you know, do it ourselves, we absorb the risk and the expenses. What are our options? Yeah. And there essentially weren't really any other than going to those commercial size spaces. Mm. So, we, so we didn't know, so we, there was nothing, I guess, in our mind that was in that, that middle tier. Mm-hmm. Like, All right, so you fu- sort of found the opportunity for that medium, middle size sort mm. of um, business to start taking on some of their fulfillment because you'd seen what good looked like and you'd mm-hmm. seen what they exactly. were doing and seen an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So what was the like... I guess, what was that vision and how did that change when she's like, as in, how do you take that vision and how did you go and start approaching some customers um, and sort of making that a reality as well? Yeah, well, I think we really wanted to map out what our service would look like and what what would be our key point of difference. And I think ultimately, yeah, just mapping that out from like exactly having, can we pull it off? Like, is there a software company that can help us like have an amazing level of accuracy? And then is it our service and what components of our service are we going to build on that's really going to set us apart from the rest? Mm-hmm. And that's probably been the biggest thing for Jim and I, like being so genuine and so transparent with like the service that we offer. Mm-hmm. We've really been able to connect with the customers in that way. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, yeah, really just we spent at least six to ten months maybe mapping out exactly what it would look like as a, as a business. Mm-hmm before we went and started approaching customers with, with our sales pitch, which is like, this is what we have to offer you guys. Um, and how do you think, um, I mean, I think we've, we've spoken again before about that niche, but like, as in, how do you think you've been able to differentiate some of that niche? And what is that, that niche for taking a different approach to the fulfillment of, um, of like, yeah, the, those medium-sized companies? Yeah, well, I guess probably the biggest separator that I guess why businesses are scared of going elsewhere is probably just losing that, that disconnect which is where we've kind of really tried to yep. refine ourselves, making sure that our clients are connected, whether it's to their product, so the, their customer experience. Yeah, so the biggest barrier to someone mm. outsourcing from doing it themselves to taking on a, on a 3PL, because I think that's where most of your customers are coming from, is the control. Or the, exactly. Yeah, the it's their baby. Like they don't want to, yeah, they yeah. Just, they've put so much time, energy and love into it and they're like, oh, to give it off to someone else is yeah. scary. And I think what we've been able to do is like break down that, you know that resistance or like yeah. fear of losing that control because and so how have you done you know, that because like, that's a really interesting um i mean it's the same where you're going to someone who's got mm. got an alternative 3pl maybe you're, maybe you're just arguing on, on cost or service or turnaround times but mm. when you're going from someone who doesn't have it like how have you been able to break down and build that trust yeah i would say more so probably just what we how we sort of describe ourselves as client yeah. focused mm. like we say that we're obviously our entire models geared towards what the client needs and that can mm. be anything from our pricing structure to our flexible terms mm-hmm. no lock and contracts no minimum volume requirements and those little sort of 
little terms of service that we offer that aren't, I guess, necessarily as scary as what someone else is offering. So it's a little barrier of entry as to why they'd use us. Mm-hmm. And that goes, yeah, runs deep through our pricing structure and everything else. It's just pretty much, we've seen yeah. what's out there. Mm-hmm. We put our, I guess, ourselves in the, the shoes of the brand and what they want to see. And yeah. that's pretty much what we offer. That's a good thing to touch on. I think we always looked at it as if, because um, we come from brands, like what would a brand want? Like what would I want as an owner mm-hmm. of a brand or a company? Like what, would I, what interactions would I want with a 3PL? Mm. And so every time we thought of a service or the way that we would structure our approach to a company would always be, you know, in their best interest or as what, or what we would want to, mm-hmm. to have put, to, put forward to us. Yeah. And now we're, you know, now we're down the track and you guys have got a successful little 3PL that's yeah. well, not even a little 3PL. You guys are doing thousands of orders in yeah. weeks. And I think we um, just knocked over 22,000 orders yeah, in the first in the five months. Five months, <laughs> 22,000, which is a bit of a milestone for us, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, so yeah. Not, not, uh, not bad, guys. It's yeah. Pretty, it's been pretty impressive watching <laughs> We've been busy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many we've yeah. packed ourselves. Got yeah. a few. I think all 22,000. <laughs> yeah, and so obviously, like, you guys are focusing on that e-commerce, and I, I've just downloaded the, the latest OzPost um, online shopping update, and just some, some stats that sort of jumped out. I think we all know that e-commerce is is coming and it's growing but yeah. August was actually a record month for e-commerce in Australia that was the biggest month of, we've ever had of, of online sales and that's this wow. is a September update so hazard a guess that, that the October update might, might well say that September was the biggest yeah. and I think the other is the other one that jumped out at me from here was that between March and August 2020 over 8.1 million households shopped online which was an increase of 16% compared mm-hmm. to the same period of last time. So mm-hmm. basically 900,000 more shop, shop um, sorry, households shopped online than this time, this time yeah. last year. Yeah. Um, how do you think that that's like, and I think it's pretty uncontroversial to say that some of that's been driven by the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. What have you guys seen firsthand with customers um, and in your own experience has kind of been the impact of that shift to e-commerce and that, and a, driven by the by the pandemic and how has that impacted your interactions whether that's new customers existing customers or, or any anything on the fulfillment side yeah i think we can both probably agree yeah. that a lot of our clients and what we believe is a big shift and i guess from b2b business to d2c mm. and mm-hmm. i guess it's obvious whether it's more margin for the the business themselves or for whatever reason they mm-hmm. choose to go down that avenue but we've just seen a big shift in energy from yeah, yeah. our clients D- wanting to fulfill d2c as opposed to b2b yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think uh, this is a traditional retail, retail model, the wholesale, like brick and mortars kind of, you know, it has been struggling and it's going to continue to sort of like be hard to, to make ends meet. Mm. And I think um, for brands to go direct to consumer, it's, it's kind of like in their, in their best interest to kind of control the customer experience end to end. And have you seen that driving outsourcing of the logistics and fulfillment in any way? Yeah, well, what, something that we've always sort of, sort of realised or been touching touching on ourselves is that companies aren't really uh, want to stick to that rigid model so much anymore and we we've kind of given them the the ability to be more flexible um, by outsourcing the components of logistics or that they actually need um, at the time so the warehousing for the products that have just landed which might be smaller for one season than the next season so just giving them that extra ability to be more flexible and less rigid um, I think it's the, the pandemic's kind of driven people to to look outside the usual business structure or mm-hmm. um, model that they've they've been used to or have seen before. So, so you're seeing more opportunities for, for way 3PL way more opportunities for awesome. for three PL and what we're yeah. doing. And the ears are just open, hey. Like basically, mm. when we're approaching clients, they're willing to listen. Whereas 
12 months ago when you know everything was trading well maybe mm. they necessarily wouldn't have given us a chance to mm. explain why it's so beneficial but now yeah. they're open to you know whether it's fantastic the flexibility or the cost savings mm-hmm. they're definitely yeah. more open than ever before to hearing us out and how yeah. about uh, obviously we're you know based here in the sunny sunny gold coast fairly 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 based yeah what element do you think the gold coast element has had like i think you know are you targeting the local businesses or has it sort of been you know has there been anything else about like any shifts over the last sort of six months that you've seen that have you know leaned on that gold coast location I think for business owners, it's just a great place to run a business, to grow a business. Mm. We're beachside. Um, the the post here is like we've got great access to the depots. Like you mm-hmm. do that overnight express. So I think um, this Gold Coast region in itself is growing exponentially, um, and there's a perfect location to to ha- to do what we're doing. I think because more and more business owners want to be here and mm-hmm. to grow their businesses here. Yeah, definitely. I'm a big believer in obviously the emerging market and more so mm. our client that we target yeah. are just so relevant to the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that makes sense. Obviously, there are a lot of um, small, medium size, whether that's fashion, wellness, um, active wear, those sorts of brands. And I think that's, uh, yeah, we, we've certainly seen through the, the pandemic that um, there's been uh, more, more people that we, we look to sort of either work with or hire or, or whatever that have been able to move to the Gold Coast um, away from places like Sydney and Melbourne because obviously um, I think the move to the work from home and just the, the shifts in the, in the economy of the pandemic have been mm. you know a boon for places like the Gold Coast so hopefully we see that keeping yeah, on, uh, on tracking so yeah so one thing that I'm really keen to have a chat about boys is you guys came from and I can see some some smirks and some <laughs> smiles here because we've had a pretty pretty fun journey today we've had a yeah. great journey yeah. <laughs> um you guys came from non like from logistics experience and I think um mm. I think you might have slightly undersold the size and sophistication of the organizations you'd worked in you'd come and you'd seen really good and you'd seen yeah. like basically as good a software as money can buy yeah. and like some pretty slick processes so yeah. and you'd seen maybe something that was closer to, to okay yeah but you didn't come from <laughs> a third party logistics background and now you're running a, a third party logistics <laughs> company and um, one thing that I uh, I'm keen to, to have a chat about is maybe um, what were some of the things that coming into that business that you, you didn't really foresee or that were a little bit of a surprise once you started you know, not packing your own orders in an SAP run warehouse. You started running your own your own warehouse oh. and had a few different customers. So what was some stuff that you, you didn't see coming? I think the, the biggest thing was for us was just um, the sheer time and energy it would take to process, say, 5,000 units or 10,000 units. We kind of really overlooked, like, the amount of stock that was coming in and, yeah, like, how long it would take to count, like, 100, 200 boxes worth of stock and have deadlines of, you know, we're launching in, say... In three days and there's 15,000 units that need to be counted in. Jimmy and I on our hands and knees till like 10 at night just trying to count all this <laughs> yeah, stock you can, in. you can plan so much and you can put yeah. how much time it takes to, you know, and we're like, yeah, three I mean, items and send them I, in the I post. guess when you're making those business plans, a number in a spreadsheet, you mm. go, oh yeah, we only need like 2.6 packers. It's like, it turns out that number was, was out by a while. Yeah. yeah. And you don't, and when you start a new business, you don't have just a guy ready to go or we were so protective of every element of it that we just were hands-on for every every little mm-hmm. thing and yeah we didn't we didn't foresee how long a lot of that processing would take and then how little time we'd have to work on the business we were just continually in it just non-stop 
mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, we never, we didn't come up for air for at least two to three months. Yeah, pretty yeah. much um, since we signed the lease and something that we kind of didn't foresee was just how little time we'd have to yeah, spend on the business. We were pretty much just in survival mode. Obviously, we hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Um, our first priority is obviously to follow through on our same day dispatch. Mm. Yeah. So that was our number one priority and pretty much all we really did for the first three months was pick and pack. Yeah, we, we had Jamie one weekend I, off. Yeah, yeah, Jamie. And I'll be honest that we, um, when we we obviously chatted to you quite a lot through those. Yeah. And uh, I think on the first day that you were picking and packing, yeah. when you said how many orders you'd picked, uh, Scott, who did your implementation, and I looked at each other and went, yeah. "Wow, that's a lot of orders." Like these yeah. boys, you know, for people who maybe hadn't done the three PL, obviously it worked in in logistics, but it was yeah. like, "Wow, you guys got that process down pretty." Totally. Pretty I think quickly. we had no choice. Yeah, yeah pressure, pressure makes diamonds, right? So totally. yeah. survival mode and just yeah, we I think we had over two thousand orders rolling in the first week and yeah, it was yeah, that was just just went straight from yeah zero to crazy and mm. um, yeah, we got it done, but it's all a bit of a blur now. Yeah, you can't. Now it's so easy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just we just Basically did it. themselves. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but it's it's cool to see how much things have improved. Like we've streamlined the process so so much now and. Mm. You know, we'd think back on those first days and we were doing things way harder than they needed to be. So was there yeah. any, uh, before we go into maybe some of the lessons, like as in yeah. anything else that you was like you didn't see coming or there was a surprise once you got into it? Uh, well, we kind of covered... Well, I guess so, the pandemic we didn't see coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was something that obviously kind of was, for us, it truly was the perfect storm that allowed mm. us to, yeah, obviously not only benefit from the volumes, but yeah. the yeah. open ears of businesses wanting to... Like everyone, like kind of, you know, daunting at first, thinking when it first, when stuff first started happening. Mm-hmm. And then as it started to unfold, we were like, okay, wow, this is actually like a really positive thing for online um, online business and for the brands, because it was really the only way to produce any revenue. Mm-hmm. And we kind of really felt like we're in this perfect position to help these companies like survive and get through it. And yeah, so it was a perfect storm, like worked out so nicely, yeah. like to keep things um, moving, keep getting a lot of orders in, mm-hmm. which yeah, so. Fantastic. Well, what about the other side of that? What about um, not, com- I guess, coming from a non-third-party logistics background, so unencumbered from any preconceived <laughs> notions or expectations? Yeah. What are some things you reckon you've been able to, like, um, I guess, th- where, where has that been an advantage? Or what are some things that you think maybe not having, you know, mm. 20 years of having seen how, how 3PL warehouses are run, where you think that it's been able to help your, help your business? Yeah, it's been super beneficial just because pretty much Jamie and I always speak of it, but I guess what we did is a lot of market research. We did, you know, literally months and months of what is every competitor in Australia offering. And basically what they were offering to us made such little sense. Like Mm. whether from their pricing structure, it was so geared towards what the 3PL needed Mm -hmm. that pretty much being so green as to why they were doing that was perfect because we flipped it on its head and basically Mm -hmm. changed the entire pricing structure is what they were offering or what everyone was offering. Now, we don't have to go away giving any secret herbs and spices yeah. here, but like, how, how did you go on, I guess, like help line up yourselves with the, with the customers, at least, you know, at a high, high level, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, referring to the pricing stuff? Or just yeah, yeah, like you took a different approach. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, we kind of just, just made it client focus, like I said. We'd come from a, the brands yeah. and yeah. we were in the shoes of the brands and by brands obviously just from the business side yeah. Yeah. which businesses would look to outsource to 3PL so we're always looking through the scope of what do they want mm-hmm. which kind of led yeah. into we couldn't make heads or tails of half of the documentation we were being given I remember mm. yeah we were kind of like alright like we needed to put together some pricing and me and Jim filtered through all of these pricing docs and I was like man I don't even know what like what the price is yeah if I'm a business and I yeah. know how many orders I sell how many inbound deliveries yeah. I receive all my overheads 
I mm. still couldn't make sense of there how was much like logistics all sorts of tapes and tapes and other mm-hmm. additional things. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's cool. Like you charge for tape, but then like, okay, so how many boxes are going to need to be taped up? Like I don't mm. know. Like I've got so much stock coming. So we were trying to just just strip it back, strip simplify. it back. Let's just simplify this. Mm. And then the biggest thing was making sure the pricing aligned with the cash flow of the business. So we wanted our clients to only have to pay. After they'd sold sold products, like mm. you know, predominantly majority of the, yeah, obviously it covers yeah. some some costs on the way, but yeah, yeah, like majority yeah. of of the um, costing would be um, to when they've sold products. So mm-hmm. we were always aligned with them. So our success is aligned with their success, mm-hmm. and that's how we always wanted our business to be structured. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of like, in a sense, um, lean on a little bit bit more scoping of the brands that we want to work with as well, mm-hmm. because we really want to make sure that yeah that they're heading in a trajectory of growth and success and on a pathway mm-hmm. that that we want to really follow because it's it's important to us that they're partnerships mm-hmm. and um we kind of always refer to ourselves as an extension of their team don't mm-hmm. look at us as you know a third party entity that's mm-hmm. managing the logistics we're essentially part of their team we're all in it together mm-hmm. and that's kind of i guess where a lot of our successes come from just that client focus yeah yeah yeah, awesome. Yeah, any other great. any other areas you reckon it's helped you maybe not coming from the third party logistics background uh, maybe just the motivation like working. i guess we're having um yeah. we're literally picking and packing so i was working running e- e-com stores in the past where i was sitting on a comfy computer yeah. chair so yeah. i guess now that we're picking and packing it's we've been like the sense of motivation where i wasn't too exhausted doing it yeah. like it was yeah. all fun and games yeah. obviously twenty thousand orders later it starts to get a little yeah. old but. yeah <laughs> i will say that one other thing you guys mind to sell yourself on is you have the cleanest warehouse I've ever been. Yeah. <laughs> so I think maybe that might be where you're, uh, maybe you don't develop those habits in a, in a different warehouse. I'll give you that. So. Nah. Yeah, we're on the deck, scrubbing Get the pretty decks. pretty schmico. Well, we came from a pretty cushy job, so we definitely <laughs> didn't want to like, <laughs> I don't know, didn't be slumming it all too hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We needed a nice place to work. And yeah. it works well, obviously, when yeah. people come through our space. Yeah, yeah we're so proud to show them and like love hearing like when the customers are like, oh, I feel organized, like just standing here. And that's kind of like. But yeah. why does it have to be messy? A warehouse, yeah. of course, like there's no. That's un- almost like a stereotype. Warehouses are messy. And we're kind of like, well, why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just yeah. sweep up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roll down some vinyl timber. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. the vinyl timber is <laughs> yeah. a nice touch. Yeah. And the white boxes, we love that. <laughs> it's pretty bright. It's pretty nice. Yeah. So. Um, so then the last thing that we, uh, I wanted to touch on is um, sustainability. Um, something that like, we've obviously spoken before and we're pretty passionate about, but it's also something that's yeah. been, um, I think, the way in which the logistics industry can start adopting some sustainable practice, but in a way that also... Um, you know, there's, there's a necessary amount of, I think, you know, waste and consumption and also emissions and stuff with, um, with just the whole logistics industry. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll see how that changes over the next couple of years. But how have you guys approached the issue of sustainability? Like, and, and how have you sort of embraced that and incorporated that into the business and, and sort of maybe also how you've leaned on that with, with customers and really made it um, a part of, you know, what, what mm-hmm. Collective is? Yeah, well, it's something that, that we want to be a part of our identity, like our brand moving forward and something really important to me, Jim. I guess, you know, we want to feel good about what we're doing. We don't want to be harming the environment. We want to be reducing our impact as much as we can. Um, so first and foremost, just setting up the recycling and doing that kind of the little things you can be doing in a warehouse to just reduce mm-hmm. the waste that's coming in and that we're putting out. Um, but we, yeah, recently joined 1% for the planet. And what, so, do you want to just tell everyone just a little bit more about what, what 1% for the planet is? Yeah, so it was founded by Yvonne Schoenard, so, um founder of Patagonia as well. Mm-hmm. So basically we just don't donate 1% of net profits um, to the organisation and then on our behalf they donate it to charities um, across all different 
um, sectors. Yeah, and probably just in addition to that, I guess it was key for us to be purpose-driven and the purpose for us was obviously A, the client focus and B, just being a sustainable practice, which mm-hmm. in the logistics, obviously, in the logistics world, it's not the easiest, but mm-hmm. something that we're looking to achieve and whether it's through the 1% donating for the planet or whether it's being carbon neutral. Yeah, because you guys want to just say a little bit about what you, what your sort of plans are for the carbon neutral piece Yeah, as exactly. Well. So um, pretty much we measure the carbon footprint that we offer and then mm-hmm. we pretty much offset that by mm-hmm. donating to charities, which whether it's the tree planting, mm-hmm planting or whether it's the waste mm. investments and forth but we are we offset all of our carbon footprint which makes us entirely neutral which is something i don't believe any other logistics businesses are currently yeah. doing what would you say to i guess another business um that, that wanted to start taking some steps down that pathway like as in how do you like like how do you go and find this information how do you go measure how do you go start measuring your footprint and start making some some changes to make the business a little bit more yeah well the business is that your partnership whether it's one percent mm. with the planet or carbon neutral which is literally the business we partner with yep. um mm. they kind of step you through that process mm-hmm. it's super straightforward but i guess what it does for us is just gives us that purpose and gives us mm. that sense of motivation we're not just a another service around the corner we want to be more than that yeah so that's pretty much yeah our key yeah a lot of online resources but yeah we kind of just delved in, delved into it and yeah kind of got, got the ball rolling and it's something that we've we've done since since the start and do you, be very do you to push that. to the customers like to your customers or your clients as well yeah we do but it's not really our leading message mm-hmm. but it's part of it um we kind mm-hmm. of we literally have a breakdown of our business model and what's a priority to mm-hmm. us and it's a small portion of it, but it's not our, our leading message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, you know we w- want to be working with clients who are as as sustainable as possible. But I think it's naturally kind of heading in that direction. Mm-hmm. We're seeing like the packaging that stuff's coming through the warehouse um, is biodegradable, and we're yeah. using biodegradable satchels. Something it's little that things like that. Exactly, we only accept product in biodegradable satchels, which then applies pressure to the client to use mm-hmm. yeah, biodegradable biodegradable options and those sorts of things. And whether it's as simple as you know your paperless picking and packing or your yeah. solar powered or whatever that may be. It's just those little, I guess, features that we offer that hopefully one day do set us apart. And yeah, we can see it coming. We really think like it down the value chain. Customers <clears throat> excuse me, are getting more, more and more aware as to what, what brands and companies are doing to either manufacture their product. And I think mm-hmm. more so they're gonna look into supply chain as well. And mm-hmm. we wanna be, yeah, the leaders in that space as well. And yeah, truly own like a, a carbon neutral business. And, and trying hopefully like us, by us doing that the brands that we're in connection with trying to level up what they're doing and then hopefully that has a flow and effect mm-hmm. but yeah we're pretty pretty passionate about that and i think it's something that yeah it keeps us purpose driven like mm-hmm. to do what we do yeah i yeah. think you guys have done an incredible job of incorporating that in already um, yeah. as well as trying to you know establish and grow a, a brand new business so thanks very much for for coming in today guys it's been a pleasure working no with you on the journey so far and, and can't wait to see what you guys um, <laughs> smash out over the next next few years and um i'm sure we'll touch base with you uh in some sort of an update thanks, along mate. the way and uh, awesome. see where you guys are going so thanks very much guys thank you very much appreciate it cheers